welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. And this upcoming weekend, so the 23rd, or this week, the 23rd to the 25th, NetHealth is partnering with Photo, which is focused on therapeutic outcomes, to talk about something really important, patients and their outcomes. And it is all around the Clinical Outcomes Summit, Again, this week, October 23rd to the 25th in Knoxville, Tennessee, you'll hear success stories and case studies from your peers about leveraging outcomes data for deep patient engagement, thoughtful business practices, clinician education, optimizing revenue, and more. There will also be motivating and inspiring keynote speakers, including my good friend Michelle Colley from Performance PT and Daniel Lord from Crossover Health, and you can still get a discounted ticket. Use the discount code LITZY, that's L-I-T-Z-Y, and the full pass is only $150. Go to www.outcomesnerd.com. Now, on to today's episode. So I had the pleasure of introducing one of the nicest people in the physical therapy business, and that is Dr. Keith Snydman. He is a results-driven rehab and fitness professional with over 20 years in, in the fitness and athletic performance and bodywork industry, and most recently the field of physical therapy. His educational background includes a doctorate in physical therapy from Northern Arizona University, a BS in kinesiology from Arizona State University. Other certifications and titles include certified strength and conditioning coach, certified orthopedic manual therapist, through Optimate Manual Therapy, a strong first gyra level one kettlebell instructor, a certified kettlebell functional movement screen specialist, and a certified neuromuscular therapist and a licensed massage therapist in the state of Arizona. So today what we talked about is the non-traditional path to the physical therapy world and to physical therapy school. So Keats is a non-traditional student, meaning that He came to the world of physical therapy a little bit later than uh, most students do. So we talk about how his background in health and wellness enhanced his learning in PT school, the personal and professional pros and cons of being a non-traditional PT student, the benefits of diversity within a physical therapy cohort, and time and resource management to avoid burnout and so much more. So a huge thanks to Keats for coming on to today's episode. And if there's anyone out there that is thinking about physical therapy, maybe as their second career, this is a great jumping off point. Hi, Keats. Welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. So today we're going to be talking about the non-traditional path to physical therapy school. And the way we're kind of defining this non-traditional path would be you didn't graduate from high school, go to undergrad, and right into physical therapy school. So there was some time off in which you had a completely different career. Well, 
yeah, a different career, and then decided to go into physical therapy school a little later in life. And I use that in quotes when I say that. Um, so what I would love for you to do, Keats, is can you kind of tell your story to the audience so they get to know you a little bit more? Absolutely. So <clears throat> like a lot of uh, PTs, I have a fitness background. I, I, I ran some college track, got into working out, and decided to become a personal trainer. This was like mid-90s, so quite a, quite a long time ago. Uh, and that sort of led me down a little bit into when the sort of functional fitness was kind of be becoming a thing, kind of in the 90s, and people were beginning to use uh, the word function a lot. Um, I have a twin brother also in the, in the fitness world, and we got exposed to a gentleman named Paul Check. He's the guy who kind of popularized the Swiss ball, the physio ball, doing the weight training on it, standing on it, doing all that crazy stuff. This was in like the like 97 to 99. And Paul Cech was also very rehab oriented, not a physical therapist himself, but started opening my eyes to sort of the world of uh, sort of biomechanics and, you know, it's sort of high level physiology. Um, and started reading, you know, more technical sort of physical therapy type books. And it, it really interested me. I was like, wow, there's more th than just being a personal trainer. So I sort of made a decision at that point that I wanted to go on and get, I think it was a master's degree, most of the programs at that time. Um, but then life happens, got married, had, had our first child. Uh, I had my own business and eventually went back to school to finish my bachelor's degree uh, at Arizona State University um, and really had the idea of going kind of into PT school pretty quickly after that. Had another child, opened up a, a different location for my business and time just goes by, you know, very, very quickly. And the next thing I knew it was 2012, 13. I was like, if I don't go to school now, I'm never going to do it. But all the time through that, I ended up getting a massage uh, certification or I got, in the early 2000s. So I started putting my hands um, on, on clients who needed it. I, I started getting some soft tissue clients and basically uh, really trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way to use that tool? Because I wasn't really like a massage person per se. I kind of came into the sort of the manual therapy bodywork world as more of a fitness person. I, how could I get somebody out of pain is pretty much the number one thing why people were seeing me to, so that I could get them more active, to get them more mobile. And that really fits in to what a lot of physical therapy does, um, sort of our modern understanding of, of pain as it's changing, that the therapy is just sort of a, you know, like a, a brief uh, reset to try to then help, you know, we get that window of opportunity uh, to try to make a change. Um, and so that, you know, that finally allowed me um, to, to make the decision to go to schools because I want to be able to do more than just what a massage therapist could do. And more, I, you know, I wanted to be able to do, if I want to do a joint mobilization or a manipulation like a chiropractor could do, you can't do that as a massage therapist. And so that was the final decision. I closed up my shop. I went back to school. I bit the bullet. Um, it was a very challenging road, but even with the family and everything, I'm, I got through it, finished a few years ago, and here I am. And I mean, that's quite a story, and we'll get into some of your 
uh, words of wisdom and advice for other people who might be in the situation where they have a family, they have children, they don't know if they can do this because it is very time consuming. Um, but before we get to that, I would love to know if you could name a couple of your top struggles um, during PT school that you were obviously able to overcome because you did graduate, you're now a physical therapist. Correct. So give us some of your struggles and what you did to help get over them. Absolutely. So I would say the first thing that was really, really the hardest for me, and my program was uh, at Northern Arizona University, and we were the first class to be sort of accelerated. Instead of a three-year program, it was a two-and-a-half-year program. So we didn't get really a lot of breaks. So the coursework, I think, was condensed a little bit more. Um, and so that meant a little bit higher level of, of information that we were obtaining. So that first semester was was a bit like hazing for me. Uh, I've constantly been learning and taking continuing education courses my whole career as a massage therapist, personal trainer, strength coach, but I, I wasn't quite prepared for the onslaught, uh, sort of the drinking from a fire hose mm -hmm. type of thing, if you will, uh, that that first semester did. And uh, I, I ended up getting a C, I think, in pathophysiology, which was, it was like memorizing a thousand PowerPoint slides in two, every two weeks. It was, it was brutal, and that put me in academic probation. You can't get a C in, in PT school. I mean, you can't get many of them. It's these Bs and above. Um, and so that was, you know, I was worried. I thought, man, am I going to flunk out? You know, this is, this is, I just started after all this. You know, what am I going to tell my family? This is terrible. But I got through it. Uh, the rest of my grades were actually quite good after that. But if you haven't been sort of in the academic setting for a while, you've really got to kind of give yourself a little bit of um, adjustment time and not be so hard on yourself. The, the expectations for like getting these great grades needs to be tempered because it, it, it's intense. Obviously, you went through it. Um, the, the, the amount of information that a physical therapy student will be exposed to is pretty insane. Um, I know, I mean, I know medical doctors get a tremendously crazy amount of, you're sort of, you're sort of a generalist first, but I think PTs have got to be some of the broadest sort of scope practitioners out there. I mean, mm -hmm. it was sort of like med school light, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. a lot of our classes were actually with PAs because we were actually kind of getting sort of the, the University of Arizona um, medical curriculum that was given to the PAs at NAU. And we were sort of teamed up there with them and some of the occupational therapists as well. So I, that was my biggest struggle was just the amount of information was just overwhelming. Um, but once I kind of settled in and really focused more on comprehension and learning uh, instead of just getting good grades, I've never been a great person. I can really care less. Unfortunately, you need to get good enough grades yeah. to pass yeah. and then I get kicked out of the program. But I've always been about I want to understand so I, th I think if someone who hasn't been in school in a while, kind of a non-traditional student like myself, you've got to be easy on yourself and you, you've got to give yourself time to adapt and to adjust to that, just that amazingly overwhelming amount of information that you can get, especially in that first semester, that first and, year. And how did you balance the amount of information, the studying, the comprehension. And I like the fact that you said you were there to learn and comprehend, not just memorize yeah. a thousand PowerPoint slides. Yeah. 
um, which I think is great advice for anyone. But how did you balance this with a wife and two kids? Um, it wasn't easy. I, I wouldn't really say you can. It's not balanced. And, you know, the family has to be on board. Obviously, my kids are a little bit older. Um, my wife, was obviously, she knew how much this meant to me. So she was very supportive. I wasn't able to be as involved with my kids and their sports and stuff. So there's definitely sacrifices. Um, you can't pass PT school. Even if you're just a single, younger person who doesn't have any problems, your life will not be balanced if you are in any doctoral program, especially one like physical therapy. So I, I wouldn't say I really balanced it, but when I had the time and I needed, because you can't just study, 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 study. You will literally burn yourself out. There comes to a point, kind of like a sponge that's just saturated with water. It won't take anymore. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So you have to do, um, you have to give yourself little breaks more frequently. And for me, sort of, I, uh, you know, I grew up sort of with this ADD, never got diagnosed till I was an adult. That's even more important because I, like my executive functioning skills burn out very, very quickly. So I do very well with like the Pomodoro technique where I do like 25 minutes and then take a five minute break mm-hmm. or maybe that's a 15 minute break. Um, things like that where you, you do like little mini sprints rather than a marathon of, of learning. So you give yourself time um, to get into what's called like a, the diffuse mode of sort of learning where you, you have the focus mode where you're really putting a lot of effort but then you gotta just walk away, go for a walk, juggle, play ping pong. We played a lot of ping pong. If you have a ping pong table uh-huh. and you like ping, that really got me through school. I love ping pong. I love it. I have a ping pong table in my house, um, and just doing something completely different. I'm, I'm very much into exercise, activity, sprinting, little mini workouts, little mini resets. I feel that helped get me through it. You can't just sit there for hours upon hours and hours. You will just literally, it'll just be wasted time. Yeah, that is wonderful advice. And I think that carries over nicely even when you start working as a physical therapist as well. Great advice. Now let's talk about some of the positives of going back to school as a non-traditional student. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back with Keith's answer. Let's talk about something important, patients and their outcomes. If you love to nerd out on this kind of talk like I do, the best industry event around outcomes management is happening from October 23rd to the 25th, and it's the Clinical Outcomes Summit. It's hosted by Photo, but it's not just for photo clients. It's a gathering of everyone who believes in the power of outcomes management to drive change for patients, clinicians, practices, and payers. And the best part, healthy, wealthy, and smart podcast listeners get a steep discount on the registration. The full summit pass is only $150. At that rate, go ahead and bring your entire team. Go to www.outcomesnerd.com and use the discount code LITZY. That's L-I-T-Z-Y. Hope to see you there. Yeah, well, for me, there's a lot of positives because I had already been working with people for so long as a personal trainer, strength coach, and a massage therapist and sort of a hybrid of all those uh, kind of at the same time that I've been dealing with people for so long. Um, And a lot of these young millennials that are just, you know, like you talked about, more traditional, um, which is definitely a, a good way to do it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I kind of wish I had done that. But uh, 
they don't have sort of the life experience and the ability to deal, I think, with a lot of the psychological and more the interpersonal um, issues that will come up when you're dealing with people in pain and dealing... Like, once you've lived a little bit longer, I feel like you just get it a little bit more. Uh, A lot of people in PT, at least sort of in traditional outpatient or even acute, they're a little bit older. And I feel like you can relate to them a little bit better. And it, 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 it helps me um, to think about something like soft skills that the professors would talk about. And I'd be like, wow, I guess I'm kind of lucky in that respect because I'm older. I kind of already have had to, deve- to develop those over the years, mm-hmm. right? Those, those mm-hmm. interpersonal communication skills. And they would tell these, you know, my classmates, these younger sort of millennials that it doesn't really matter what you get. Like, yeah, you got to pass the board. You got to pass this. You got to be smart. But, you know, being first in your class, like, doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be the best therapist. Um, and, the, and nobody's going to ask you, hey, Karen, you know, can you tell me what you got on your uh, NPT boards exam? Oh, no, that was too low. I want to work with this person over here. Or, hey, what'd you get in your pathophys class? It doesn't matter. Right. You got to get through it. You can always, you don't need to memorize everything, just you need to know it enough to pass the test. But the most important thing in physical therapy is your ability to empath- to be empathetic and to deal with another human being that you're dealing with. And I felt like as an older student, um, that was something I kind of already had. So that was a, like a big plus, I think. And when I'm working with my newer, a little bit older clients and patients, I think that's that helps. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so absolutely. that's a big plus that you can't really get except through time and mm-hmm. going through all those different sort of client and patient interactions over the years that will sort of, you know, because you have these fits sometimes with clients, they don't work well. You don't always, you butt heads or people are very, so you develop a certain amount of grit that I think um, as a bit of an old, older student, you don't have to develop as much as the newer, younger ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's um, a huge positive. I mean, experience counts. does. Experience counts. It does. What other positives did you find, even maybe as you were going through the program or looking back on it now? Well, for me, with my background, and there were other students in there that were like in their 30s. There was one other guy in his 40s, and mm-hmm. you know, I was like the real grandpa, but he, you know, he, he was a little younger than me. Um, but my background was in fitness mm-hmm. and in massage. So I had already kind of educated myself a lot on anatomy and physiology. Uh, since we had this sort of medical curriculum, we spent like six weeks or something on the organs and the guts. And I didn't really know that too well. So that was pretty hard. But the rest of the stuff sort of with my background wasn't too hard in terms of um, it, like, I felt like I had already prepared myself for that. Contrary to popular belief, you go to PT school more to learn about differential diagnosis and mm-hmm. how to not really hurt somebody who, you know, it's more like med school light than it is about like, I'm going to become sort of a, a mild personal trainer. Like you, we, you don't spend a ton of time on the ins and outs of exercises. They sort of say, well, you're going to get that mm-hmm. in your rotations. So a lot of people who were more non that that were non-traditional that had come maybe from like insurance or a different world, they didn't have a much of an as an exercise background as me, they were really looking for that in school. And we didn't it's we didn't get that mm-hmm. as much. It's not really what it's about. 
um, you get that more on your rotation. So I felt like my previous background had made up for that gap that we weren't going to get in school. Yeah, you that's know, great. That, that I had already sort of gone through sort of the, the painstaking self-study to just really sort of figure out like, you know, which, which exercises are appropriate for all the different muscle groups and movements and doing sort of like a needs analysis for the sport or the activity. Um, cause that's not really what you're getting in PT school. And I, I think people don't always understand that. They think they're going to learn like everything about exercise and that's kind of not what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's more like, like I keep saying, sort of like this being sort of a primary care provider light, um, you know, and now most states have direct access. So, you know, like taking blood pressures, understanding cardiovascular concerns, um, understanding pharmacology and like the basics of like drug tech. These are real things that are very important that that's what I got out of PT school the most was sort of that, that mm-hmm. being, being sort of a, 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 a primary, a primary care. care provider. Um, and the exercise stuff is sort of secondary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so because you had had this other career before you came into PT school, you were able to kind of be on top of your game, I guess. And like you said, you were able to fill in some of those gaps in PT school with what you already knew. So that is obviously a huge positive. Yes. Um, any <clears throat> other positives that maybe if someone out there is thinking, hmm, maybe I want to go into PT school, but I'm like over 40 or I'm over 30 or 35, right. you know or I'm married, I have kids, were there any other positives that maybe not even related to physical therapy, but maybe spilled over into your home life or your personal life? Um, well, I think it was, it was good for my, my teenage boys um, to see that even as an older adult, that you know, the amount of effort they saw, how much I was putting into it, how much it meant to me, to just to show them that if you put in the work at any age, like you can still do some pretty cool things and, uh, you, you know, you can teach an old dog new tricks. I mean, I think the younger brain learns a little quicker. Uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of debate about that, but you can still do it. Like, so for me, I think the positive was it gave me a sense of, um, belief that if I'm really determined that I can find a way. So give me like a new, a new level of confidence in myself that I have the grit that I have the, I mean, I had to take the GRE three times. And for those who don't know, that's the graduate record examination. It's put on by the people who create the SAT. So it's sort of a SAT for college grads. And I hadn't done like high school math since right. like right. 80s and early 90s. So, um, you know, I did well on those other parts, but I just couldn't remember like basic stuff. I had to get the book. So it gave me like, sort of a new level of confidence that, you know what, even when things are really tough and you feel like you can't get through, like you can and, you know, and you just, you just, you just got to kind of plow through it. Like the time will go by anyway. Um, and you just got to figure out how can you work with yourself, um, to try to, you know, accomplish a goal as challenging as PT school at any age, it's challenging, but Absolutely. definitely harder. If Absolutely. you have a family, you've been out of sort of that sort of test taking mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I used a lot of like the, the, Anki, the Anki and like some of these other like, um, apps where it sort of makes you keep doing the ones that you're not good at because you do have to memorize some stuff for the test let's Mm -hmm, face it mm -hmm. um but if you take the time and you're just 
you don't be so hard on yourself. You can get through it. You will get through it. Absolutely. And now, again, the question I ask everyone on the show is, and I feel like you kind of just answered it, but I'm going to ask the question anyway because maybe you have a different answer. But what advice would you give to yourself, your pre-PT self? Sure. Knowing where you are now in your life and in your business and in your work, what advice would you give to your pre-physical therapy school self? Um, well, I think I was very hard on myself for like initially doing poorly in that first semester, uh, especially in that pathophysiology class. But I really thought that I could get through it easier. I, you know, I just thought like, oh, this, you know, I'm, this is going to be good. I'm, I've already sort of learned a lot on my own. Um, I, I sort of underestimated. So I, I scheduled my sort of personal training and my sort of my, my whole uh, clientele in a way that was not realistic. So, you know, working, I think, is, is good if you can do it. But giving yourself sort of the permission to, to say no to certain things, that th- this is an important commitment, um, and that, you know, not to beat myself up that I'm not earning as much as I could potentially earn by working more because this is an important goal. And I need to focus. I need to, you need to get it done. Um, there'll be plenty of time to work after. But I did work throughout my whole schooling. I mean, I was trying to bring in a couple thousand dollars a month, you know, through my own clientele. And I did. But that was about, probably about a third mm-hmm. of what I had originally sort of thought I could do. So I did have to take out a little more loans than I wanted to. But once I sort of realized that it's okay, um, that it sort of like lowered that stress that level. stress levels for myself. Mm-hmm. It's just this huge um, commitment that I put on myself that I can do. I can commit to all these different elements, and there's only so much time in a day. Like the, you know, there's only so much energy you have. You know, sort of like yeah. money in a bank. You don't have we call it like units of energy. I don't have a hundred units of energy for school and a hundred units of energy for my family and a hundred units of energy for my clients. I have a hundred units total. Mm-hmm. And that's what I sort of figured out. So I would give myself the advice that manage your units, you know, manage this, your physical and emotional capital because there's only so much um, and you just have to be realistic. And I just, I was not realistic with myself with what I thought I could do versus the reality. And once I sort of kind of had that sort of come to Jesus moment. I was, I was better because mm-hmm. I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's great advice. So giving yourself permission to prioritize yeah. things in your life. Can't do everything versus doing it all. 100%. Yeah. Excellent advice. Now, is there anything else that you wanted to let the listeners know before we sign off about being that non-traditional student in physical therapy school? Um, I think we need more non-traditional students. I mean, I think it only helps the programs. I think, I, I mean, if any of my classmates are listening to this, hopefully they uh, they can agree. I think a lot of people appreciated me in the class because I would ask the questions. Um, I, find, I find it interesting kind of being with sort of this younger generation, how many, it's like they're just programmed, almost kind of like robots that just like get the information, figure out how to, how, how to, you know, memorize it, regurgitate it in the test, move on. And it's more about like passing and getting to the next level than it is about mastery and mm. comprehension. And not a lot of 
like questions are asked about things that I thought maybe that the teachers explained that were confusing. So I, I would ask the questions. I'd be like, well, what about this and what about that? And because I've been in the real world for longer, so I, I think having that older student and maybe some people thought it was a little bit annoying, and that's okay. I'm okay to be that that guy because I think it was it was helpful for the betterment of the whole mm-hmm. class. And when you have somebody who's lived a little bit longer, like. You just don't care as much. You just, if something's important to ask, it's important. Like you don't like go, oh, I'm not going to ask because I don't, I don't want to like offend anybody or. I, I, I get where you're. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, absolutely. So like having those little more seasoned, mm-hmm. non-traditional students, I think it, it spices things up a little bit. Um, and I felt that I prov- I kind of provided that for my class, and it really sort of, it kind of helps sort of broaden the curriculum by bringing in more real life experience of working with people. Not that I was a physical therapist, but I was working with people in pain, working with people who had weakness and, you know, fitness issues, which is what we do a lot Mm -hmm. in PT, regardless of your setting. So that's my advice is that if you're really, really passionate about helping people in that domain, um, that we need more non-traditional, a little bit older students in these programs because it really helps to just sort of broaden the scope because of what we can bring with our experience that has everybody else in the class. Everyone has their own experiences. Even, I mean, young, middle-aged, older, mm-hmm. it's all good like to have a variety instead of just everybody being the same. The same. Yeah. Like I'm all about diversity. Yeah. And I think we should just embrace more diversity. And like I, I saw something on, I was the news, you know, I think it was the other week on CBS or something, and it was some guy like who went back. He was like a car mechanic, and he went back to school like in his late fifties, and he got his medical degree. Awesome! And that, and that just like I love it. That stuff just yeah. like juices me up, and he he's bringing all his experience to that program. Like that must have been really neat for the other students. Yeah, um, I so, couldn't. I could yeah. not agree with you more. And now, where can people find you if they want to? chat about your chat more about your experiences or if they have any questions for you yeah well i'm 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 a pretty googleizable guy uh-huh. um i've got a, a couple of websites that are sort of in in shambles right now but if you just google my name keith snydman i'm on facebook i'm on twitter what's your I'm twitter on handle in, instagram i think it's at coach keats okay or uh and then i think it's keith snydman is, is what i'm uh for instagram i'm not i'm trying to figure out this whole so social media thing for my own business. I do a combination of PRN work and then just my own. I'm too much of yeah. an entrepreneur um, to work full-time for anybody else. But if anybody wants to email me, it's ksnydman at, g- at gmail.com. I love helping people who are non-traditional to sort of, you know, make the decision. I mean, it's not for everybody, but if you're on the fence, I talk to people frequently who sort of find out about me, and I would love to talk to you about it. Awesome. And we will have all of that information in the show notes for this episode at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com so that people can one-click and get to you in any way possible. Perfect. But we'll have it all there. So, Keith, thank you so much for taking the time out while you're here in New York, dropping your son off at NYU. I know. Crazy. Yep. It's it's been a blast. I'm I'm so glad we got to meet up today. I've always wanted to you know, talk to some other PTs when I come out here and I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very glad that I was able to 
Yeah. Get on your show. I've been a big time fan Pleasure. of your podcast. When I was a student, I'd share it with my oh, fellow you. classmates. You're, you're doing an amazing job of just getting amazing people and concepts out into sort of the world. Well, thank you very much. And um, I, again, thank you for taking the time today. And everyone else, have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. A huge thank you to Keith Snyman. I mean, come on, how great is he, right? So again, go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com, get his info and hit him up. He is more than happy to help. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, NetHealth. So again, it's this week, October 23rd to the 25th, the Clinical Outcomes Summit in Knoxville, Tennessee. Go to www.outcomesnerd.com to register, learn more, and check out the agenda. And don't forget to use the discount code LITZY, that's L-I-T-Z-Y. The full summit pass is only $150. So it's hosted by photo, but it's not just for photo clients. It's a gathering of everyone who believes in the power of outcomes management to drive change for patients, clinicians, practices, and payers. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media. 